The following podcast is brought to you by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. Fall is here, if you haven't noticed, and that means more great golf to be played at Crosswinds. The leaves are changing color, and that makes the experience that much more enjoyable. It is beautiful there. 18 holes of championship golf, great food and bevies, fantastic banquet facilities, a well-stocked pro shop, and attention to detail you won't find at other public golf courses. The people at Crosswinds will make your experience a memorable one, so go to crosswindsgolf.com and check out their specials. Still lots of golf to be played. Book your tee time online now, and when you get there, Make sure you tell him Hebsy sent you. Now, let's begin the podcast. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Hebsy on Sports episode number Jackie Robinson. And fittingly, it's a holiday. It's Thanksgiving Day. It's Columbus Day. It's a great day to talk sports. I'm your host, Mark Hepsher, alongside Toronto Mike. Today on the show, is it okay for the St. Louis Blues, most of whom are Canadian-born, to visit the White House and accept an honor bestowed upon them by U.S. President Donald Trump? Many don't think so. What do you think? Would you go? The St. Louis Cardinals claim the juiced baseballs that were used during the regular season are not being used in the playoffs. Therefore, there are fewer home runs this postseason. Is that a good thing? And are they talking out their ass, these guys? Are they just complaining because every ball they hit just goes to the warning track doesn't go over the wall if it was a regular season it would have gone over the wall (laughs) a shocking revelation in the death of angels pitcher tyler skaggs this past summer a team employee fairly high up supplied him with oxycodone can you believe that terrible Like, like like a like a big like here you go you're pitching tomorrow what do you need three tabs of oxycodone yeah no problem i'll snort it with you ridiculous A man runs a marathon in less than two hours, but it will not go down as an official record. Yes, there will be an asterisk next to Iliud Kipchoge's name, and I say rightly so. It was a scam, it was a farce. I mean, he's fast, but still, they set it up for him. The Maple Leafs survived their trip to Detroit, but where were the big guns in the 5-2 win? And what's wrong with Mitch Marner and John Tavares? Oh, oh, that's right, I, I keep forgetting. Three words. It's still early. The defending NBA champion Toronto Raptors played their first preseason game at home and get stomped by the Bulls. But it wasn't really the Raptors. It was kind of the Raptors 905, right? It was the B or C team that played. We got golf, we got tennis, and we got much more all ahead. But first, a great night for New York Yankee haters. Carlos Correa's 11th inning home runoff, Jay Happ gave the Astros a 3-2 win and a 1-1 series tie with the Yankees in the American League Championship Series. But if you were watching the game on Sportsnet, like I was, Mm -hmm. you missed the home run. Sportsnet was still in commercial. A pizza commercial, if I'm not mistaken. I, I didn't know this because yeah. I watched the uh, the package afterwards. Right, right. So you're watching it live. First of all, you stay up four hours and 49. First of all, this is called overselling in the business. And it totally ruined the moment. Now, I have not heard a comment, nor do I think I will, an explanation from Sportsnet as to what happened. Uh, it's possible that, um, and I, do, I haven't got confirmation, that the originating network, Fox Sports 1, may have been in commercial as well. And they missed it, but I couldn't see anything on social media that suggested that. Hmm. The only complaints I saw were my own, which was, what happened? You missed, you missed it. You what? missed wow. the home run in the 11th day. You missed the game-winning home run. I stay up four hours, 49 minutes. I want to see it live. So you oversold the commercial, 
or it was the originating network. So I need some kind of an explanation from Sportsnet or from somebody if they know it out there. I'll do some digging. What the hell I happened? People. I did some digging this morning. I think Sportsnet, I think they oversold. They threw a promo in there or maybe when they shouldn't have. They miscalculated. It was late. Remember, too, whoever's running master control, four hours and 49 minutes without going for a pee. You know, maybe <laughs> they were, I don't know. Maybe they, I got to go. We'll throw another commercial in there. Now, I'm going to give you an example. Yeah. The first two years, the first year for sure that the Blue Jays were on the air, I was working, uh, I was a slug at CKFH. So that was Foster Hewitt Station. So they had the rights to the Jays game. This was the first summer. And occasionally I would operate the board, like you are, Mike, here, where, you know, you flip the switch and you make sure you get the feed and you get the commercials and stuff like that. Well, what they regularly did was they oversold between innings. It was supposed to be, let's say, two and a half minutes between every inning. I, I think it might be two. Or, I think it was just two minutes. Two okay. minutes between innings. That was right. it. Very few games were televised. So it was two minutes between innings. Get the guys out, get the guys in. And you're supposed to run two minutes of, of commercials. And maybe, maybe a little 10-second promo. You know, listen to Blue Jays baseball on CKFH. Or Bob McCowan joins you for talking of sports between four on CKFH. Right. A little promo at the end of the commercial cluster and then into the game. Right? Well, they would regularly oversell that. The sales team would just, they say, just put in two and a half minutes of commercials. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> like, who cares if you miss the first batter or the fifth inning? And even then, don't worry about it. But Tom Cheek, the announcer, was, I mean, a stickler for time. And the engineer, of course, had timed out two minutes in between innings. And then he cues Tom. He says, you're on, Tom. So here's Tom going, oh, welcome back. It scores four to one. We're in the fourth inning. Meanwhile, nobody is hearing this oh, at all. Nobody wow. is hearing this. Maybe on other stations in the network, but on the local station, they're not hearing it on CKFH because they've sold an extra commercial in there because we got to make money. <laughs> so I think what happened here was, I just think that Sportsnet, for some reason, this is just speculation on my part, had lost so much money on this hockey deal and paid so much money and they're cutting costs every possible place they could that some bean counter said, why can't, can't we just insert a, like another commercial in there? Like, yeah, you know, can we just, can we not throw maybe another 15 second commercial in? We can make some money from that. If we can do that every half inning and now you're in the 11th inning now. Right. So that's 22 half innings with an extra commercial. That's 22 extra spots. That, that can, you Speculation know, though. We should make sure people, yeah. So this is respect. Anyway, we the, need hey, to find out what the happened. The viewer here. at home doesn't, they don't want to hear about labor pains. They only want to see the That would pain. tick me off royally. I missed that. I'm staying up. I'm like, what, what's going on? Because by the time they come back from the commercial, he's hit the home run already. So the moment is gone. Right. The moment, the actual moment of staying up watching is gone. It's live. Yeah, the, the walk-off. You missed the walk-off. You missed the, the walk-off. Uh, ALCS. So, uh, I don't know. Anyway, missing the game-winning home run is inexcusable. I don't want to be stomping all over Sportsnet for this. Like I said, it could have been the originating network, FS1, but still, an explanation, please. An apology to your fans. We're very sorry we missed it. And what it what time of the day was this? Uh, 1 a.m. Yeah, just that was As the gone. clock struck 1, it was 12.59. Wow. Wow. Anyway, uh, so the series is tied 1-1, uh, and the teams head to Yankee Stadium for games 3, 4, and 5 tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh Korea, by the way, made an outstanding play to save a run in the sixth when he gunned down DJ LeMahieu at the plate after a hot ground ball had bounced off second baseman Jose Altuve with runners first and second and two outs. You know, when you get to this stage of the season, every play is like so critical, right? And even right. in a sixth inning of a game, it's a tight game back and forth. You know, a play like that, you know, can really turn a team around. And what happened was they... They escaped. They could have. That could have been the go-ahead run for the Yankees, and instead, uh, you know, Houston snuffed it out, hung in there, Great hung throw. in against the Roldis Chapman and that kind of thing, and and did what they had to do in the eleventh inning. Um, yeah. So the Yankees tied a championship series record by using nine pitchers. The first pitcher was starter James Paxton, who lasted uh, just uh, two and a third innings. So he no hit the Jays last year. The right. other pitcher was Justin Verlander. <laughs> 
who also who hit don't hit the Jays this year. So it was like I'm sh- even before the game it would have been great if they would have met saying, "Hey, how did your no hitter against Toronto go? <laughs> well, Justin's how did got your two. how did your no hitter go against Toronto? Which one? Verlander's well, going to go. Which which no hitter in Toronto? Well, the one more than that, year? there's been six no hitters against the Jays, and half of them yeah. were by those two guys. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Paxton last two and a third. Verlander starts for Houston, goes six and two thirds, gives up two runs. Uh, game three tomorrow f- features the virtually unbeatable Garrett Cole. I think 18-0 and 0 in his last 20-some-odd uh, wow. starts. Ridiculous. Uh, he's going for Houston against Luis Severino for the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Hmm. So that series tied 1-1, and it's 2-3-2 format in the championship series. Uh, today, the Washington Nationals look to put a stranglehold on the St. Louis Cardinals. That's announcer talk, folks, for when a team can go up 3-love in a best-of-seven series. You're not going to hear that. You're not going to hear that expression. I mean, if someone says you go up 3-1 to take a stranglehold, not anymore. They may have used it years ago, but 3-1 is not a safe lead in any no. series at all. 3-love three, three is pretty, <clears throat> if you go up 3-love, it's pretty safe. It's not often, you know, see the Yankees versus the Red Sox in 2004. But it's pretty, pretty safe. It's much safer. So that's called a stranglehold. That's what we call in the business the stranglehold. If you can get that 3-love series lead, you've got the stranglehold. I like how you say love. <clears throat> you got the tennis brain. The there. sleeper hold. It's the sleeper <laughs> hold there. Um, so, yeah, uh, they're up two games to none, and uh, they're at home tomorrow against the Cardinals with Steven Strasburg, who's like got like Sandy Koufax type, type numbers in the postseason. He's been fantastic against Jack Flaherty. The Cardinals have had a pretty good season as well. The Cardinals have managed a total of four hits and one run in their two games against Washington at home. At home. Imagine. We got the Cardinals are in the championship series. Let's go, Bill. Let's go. Let's sit. You got your hot dog. You got your beer, your whatever, and your team can't even get... They get one hit in the first game, one hit against Anibal Sanchez, who, like, Mike, you, me, and a bunch of... And your slow-pitch team could, might be able to get more than one hit against Anibal Sanchez because he throws junk. And then they manage one run and three hits, and one of those runs shouldn't even have been considered a run because Michael A. Taylor, the center fielder for Washington, misplayed the ball so badly it went over his head. Whether he touched it with his glove or didn't, folks, that's an error, right? A, a, a major league outfielder makes that play. If you misjudge a fly ball and you don't touch it with your glove and it falls beyond you or in front of you. What if the lights are in your eyes? It doesn't matter. It matters not. That's, That's an error. That's an error. That's not a triple. It's an error. But again, it's up to the quote unquote, it's up to one individual to make that call. The, the official score. But what happens a lot of times is if they make that call and there's enough grumbling and complaining that they should look at it again. I think in, in most situations like that, if you hit a line drive and the center fielder misjudges and comes in on the ball, had he stayed where he was or had he backed up, he would have caught it, that, that to me should be an error. Those, those balls that, that fall in, in amongst three outfielders, that's not an error. That's a bloop. That's, nobody, could have, nobody could have made that play. But if you can get your glove on it or you, you were there and you misjudged it, I think it should be an error. But more often than not, they just give the guy a hit because it looks better that way. So it should have been an error. Anyway, uh, game three scheduled for tomorrow between Washington and the Cardinals. Um, have you talked to any Expos fans about this? Like, uh, I, I think if the Nationals win a World Series, I think it'll be tough for Expos fanatics. Oh, you know, have you talked to any? Uh, not, you're you're kind of a nah, not at all. There's I, I don't think connected any, to Montreal. I, I don't feel. think there's much more hate in Montreal for Toronto and Toronto the Toronto Maple Leafs and <clears throat> hockey night in Canada and all that than there is for. You know, a team that used to be in Montreal. But Not that long ago. Ago. And, uh, it was that long ago, Mike. you got to get over it. 
Well, I'm not an expo fanatic, but I, no, no I just feel for my friends in Montreal. Uh, but, but you think your friends in Montreal, they, you think most people in Montreal are like that? Like, really? They just, they want the, Well, I don't know. I'm asking the, the question. If, I don't uh, think so. I don't think so. I think they're, I think they're past it. Okay, let's. Uh, if anyone out there wants to chime in on yeah. Periscope, well, you asked that last time and no one chimed oh, in. Yeah. So. <laughs> they don't give it. <clears throat> so but. pass the buck already. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Nationals today against the Cardinals. Uh, did I mention Stranglehold? I did. And then uh, Game uh, Three is scheduled for tomorrow, and Game or, sorry, Game Four is scheduled for tomorrow. Game Five, if necessary, slated to go Wednesday afternoon in the nation's capital. Let's talk about the home teams now, because I know a lot of people, <clears throat> even if you're not from Toronto, uh, and you notice the way I say Toronto, like someone who's not from Toronto. <laughs> you hit that like that. I'm from tea. Toronto. I'm from Toronto. It's a Toronto Maple Leaf, but I have to say Toronto for some strange reason. Um, so the Raptors, the Toronto Raptors, uh, returned from Japan. Some of them fought off jet lag, some didn't, mm-hmm. and went out and got their asses kicked by the Chicago Bulls at the Scotiabank Arena last night in front of uh, such luminaries as uh, Bianca Andreescu and um, others. Final score, 105-91. Uh, that score flattered the Raptors. They were down by like 100 points. Right, right. They were down by so many points at one point. I, I don't know. Um, and, and you know what? They, they, they announced attendance was 16,438. There were, there were some clumps of empty seats and all that. I wish they would have done what they did in Minnesota. The Minnesota Timberwolves invited all the fans who were sitting in the upper bowls down into the lower bowl for the, most of the fourth quarter of their game against uh, Maccabiya Haifa. It was an exhibition game. Um, but still, it's like you're sitting up there and you're, what did you pay? You paid 20 bucks, 25 bucks, maybe 30 bucks for a ticket to an exhibition game up in nosebleeds. Yeah. And they're like, come on, come sit down here. You're not going to get another chance. Come sit down. And so they invited everybody to come down. So they made it, it was more intimate. For that. I thought that was great. I think the Raptors should do that. I think that's a great idea. Uh, Raptors did not have their top lineup on the floor. Uh, Gasol, Ibaka, Siakam, Lowry, and Van Vliet logged a total of zero minutes mm-hmm. as the Scrabinis got in some much-needed minutes. O.J. Ananobi led the way with 15 points. Matt Thomas had 12. Chris Boucher chipped in with 11. And guys like Malcolm Miller, Terrence Davis, Stanley Johnson, O'Shea Brissett, and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson saw plenty of time. <laughs> so you're going to go, what? Who are these guys? Get used to it. A lot of the guys are gone from last year, man. You know the big guy. Well, number, two key guys. Are well, gone. number two is gone, yeah. and uh, Danny Green is gone. Right. What number was he? Fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking because I, I had a Danny Green jersey. I knew a guy. <laughs> anyway, and um, yeah, and uh, there's other, you know, there's other uh, players like Jeremy Lin, but not that he was a, a factor or anything like that. Right. But you've now got a, you know, you've now got some new blood. Got some new blood on this team. By the way, Brother Neil chimed in on Periscope to say that he would be happy to see the Nationals take the series. So there's, there I don't know go. if he's a Montreal. I would too. I'm, you know, I think the Cardinals have been there enough, and I think it would be good for the city of Washington. And I don't think there's any bitterness. I don't think it's like, you Washington right. National bastards, you're the Expos. If you want to say, hey, they used to be us, fine. There's nobody left from an Expo. Were Jets fans hoping the Phoenix, uh, do I have the right, Atlanta Thrashers? Wait, which, where did the Jets? Both. both. Phoenix, right. Okay, the original the Thrashers Jets came back Phoenix. home, right. Were they, were they rooting for Coyotes? No chance. Right? I haven't spoken to them. Maybe you want to do a straw poll and find out. Maybe Shane Doan. If they were know. upset. I would say Quebec fans, when that team left and went to Colorado oh, yeah, and, and won the Wall Stanley Cup, there. man, that hurt. Right. Because that was like That's the next, next year. year. That, yeah. that was the next year. That must have hurt. That must have really hurt. Okay, so uh, the Raptors don't play again uh, until Friday in Brooklyn and then return home Tuesday, October 22nd for their season opener against the Pelicans de New Orleans mm-hmm. and the outstanding rookie Zion Williamson. Mm. I mean, I want to go to see Zion, but while I'm there, if I can get tickets, I'll, you know, I think it's the ring uh, ceremony, you know, where everybody gets their championship rings, I think. And certainly the banner raising ceremony to raise the That'd championship banner at the Scotiabank Arena. So that will be awesome. Amazing. However, Mike, one wonders, will the Raptors even get an invite to the White House 
this season. Now, this used to be a big deal lately with Trump, and it's eh, not so much. But now it's like, hey, let's look at a schedule. When are the Raptors in Washington or, you know, nearby? Can they drop by for a visit? Uh, Because last year, Trump had mentioned he was going to invite them, and immediately Danny Green, for one, said, uh, that's a hard no, that he didn't, wouldn't attend. But Danny Green's not on the team. But if you were to take, do you think if you were to take a poll of the Raptors players and say, would you like to go to the White House? Uh, maybe you've never seen the White House before. No chance. Not with this administration. No, come on. In this climate, do you think a, a, a team is, the NBA is a more socially conscious league than, I know what you're going to get to here soon with the Blues and everything, right? And, and it's kind of disappointing. We'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, there's no chance. Why? The Raptors would Why? want to visit the White House with Trump there. You're talking collectively or individually? If you went to each guy individually and say, hey, would you like to go? It's going to be the, the consensus. House? The consensus will rise to the top very quickly if you what? were to have a private conversation with the team. What if they don't get an invitation? What but if then, they just yeah, well, that, that, no, but it's a Canadian team. They probably won't. It's a Canadian team. What if you don't well, it's get based an invitation? in Canada? But there's a lot of uh, oh, Europeans on this team. There's wait, a Spanish wait, player. There's just a, a second. Now. See, now you've hit upon something here. Uh, yeah. Do Canadian teams get invited to the White House if a Canadian team wins a championship in oh. one of the four major sports? <laughs> well, think about it. Did the Blue Jays get invited? Mm. You mm. should know. You were covering that team, Hebsy. No, I don't believe they did. Okay, well, this is a great question because it, it rarely comes just, up, as you know. That's right. That's why. <laughs> that's why. I, that's why I try. So, Mike. So, did you know? that the first White House visit for a championship team was baseball. First time a championship team was invited to the White House by the president was in baseball. Okay. 1924. Uh, wow. President Calvin Coolidge welcomed the Washington Senators after their World Series title. Oh, Washington. This right. is the good kind of trip. This is good. This is deep dive. No, I like that. All right? Because th- you're right. The Raptors likely won't get an invite, especially when Danny And if they Green, got one, they'd politely decline. They might. They might. They for might. Sure. They might discuss it. Don't say for sure you don't know, okay. because you would have said the same you thing. You do that all the time. You would have said the same thing about the St. Louis Blues, and you'd be wrong. You'd be wrong. No, I wouldn't have said that about you the Blues. You would be wrong. Because I remember the Penguins No, going. no, no, no. This is different. St. Louis Blues are a bunch of kids. You would be wrong. If I would ask you a while ago, if the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup, would they go to the White House? You would say, no way. No, I wouldn't No way, have. because they're no. socially conscious and everything else. No, I wouldn't have said that. I would have said they would go, because I remember being so disappointed when, so when, uh, when the so Capitals went and when the it. Penguins went. No, no. I know, the, for some reason, for some Stop reason, it. the NHL teams, they go, and I don't know why. Okay, so you're going to get into that way, right? Well, the, you're going to get into it that what way. What does like Hedsey think? Like the Boston Bruins all went except for one guy, except for that guy. Well, goalie. that was stupid. That was different. Why was that different? Because that, that was somebody who So just, you were okay with the administration. That's what you're telling me. All right, forget it. Listen, this is what I'm going to say. Well, I'm not, I'm listen, saying. it's not because of Republicans in the White I'm House. Saying, it's, it's, I'm saying it's is because that of this I, individuals in the White House. Oh, so let me ask you a question. If you've never been to the White House before, you're going to say no because of the administration, or I would, I'd like to see the White House. No, I'd hope you'd say no. I'd like to see the White House. You think going would, would mean you're a supporter of the administration? On some level, yeah. All right. Well, I wouldn't think that way. Anyway, uh, 1924 was the first time a championship team was invited to the White House. That's a bit of trivia there. Calvin Coolidge invited the Washington Senators. Uh, they lived right next door anyway, right? They were in town. It was easy. That's probably a reason. The first NBA champion. Who was the first NBA champion to be invited to the White House? Celtics. And who was the president? The Celtics, and it was uh, Nixon. I don't know. I'm guessing. No, Nixon was not a Celtics fan. <laughs> no, I don't know. John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Oh, right, of course. In of course. 1963, the year he was assassinated, invited the Boston Celtics, his hometown team, because he's from Boston. Right. From Boston. Kennedy invited the Celtics in 63. That was the first time uh, by basketball. Uh, the first NFL champion to be invited to the White House. 
And those of you at home can play along as well if you want to put in your answers here. I did some deep research on this because I myself did not know. I was like, hey, wait a minute. When did this start? When when was the first time? Bolt. And it's the four major things. But see, since then, it's not just the four major sports. It's now everybody. College teams, whoever, you know, whatever team the president at the time went, you know, went to, all that stuff. But but I'm talking about the four major right. sports leagues, right? right. So, so football was the third of the four leagues. So what was, who was the first Super Bowl champion to be invited to the White House? It was probably, it was, uh, the president. was it, it was Baltimore, the, Johnny Unitas? Who, who, uh, do I have my teams? Johnny right? Unitas and Baltimore never won the. No, uh, I never meant, not Super Bowl, but the. Uh, NFL and, championship? Right. No, this would actually after the Super Bowl began. Okay. It but would be uh, the 19, Packers then. 1980. Oh. The president was Jimmy Carter. He wore, actually, did he wear, he, no, he had, he had a terrible towel that he was flinging around. Those gold, <laughs> terrible towels. The Pittsburgh Steelers in 1980 won the Super Bowl over the Los Angeles Rams. Right. And they were the first team invited to the White House. Interesting. NFL champion team, Jimmy uh, Carter. And who was the first National Hockey League team to be invited to the White House? And who was the president? Rangers. Who was the president? Uh, that would be Ray, uh, No, it was not, because Clinton. In- uh, incorrect. Okay, tell me. Uh, President uh, George H.W. Bush invited the 1991 Pittsburgh Penguins to the White House. That was the first visit Great by team. a National Hockey League uh, Stanley Cup. Lemieux, Francis. Uh, yeah, it's a good team. Yarmer Yager. There you yeah. go. So there you go. So there's your four majors. But it's a little bit of trivia. Anyway, now, so the, you oh, had oh, meant... Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, people right now would be uh, are, are begging me to ask you, what do you think of the St. Louis Blues going to the White House. What are your thoughts on this? I would go. Because most of the St. Louis Blues are all Canadians. 16 players on that team are Canadian. Two are American. Three are American and a, like a couple of Russians and a couple of Swedes. You don't think it's a little tone deaf of uh, this league, this team to... And again, this is not Republican versus Democrat. You asked me a question. You asked me a question. I, take I wouldn't have said this even for a W. I take politics completely out of this. this I want, I'd like to see the... I don't like to see the White House. And, and hopefully maybe get some good fast food, maybe Popeyes, maybe Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> you know what I mean? I remember that. No, yeah. but I want to see, I'd like to see the White House. Now, do I give a crap for uh, the administration? No, of course not. Well, I'm disappointed in you. You're disappointed that I give a crap, don't give a crap about the... Uh, yeah, that you're willing to overlook any kind of a trust, especially with what's going on. <clears throat> well, I, I keep saying that over and over again, but it's, <sighs> it's, it's, it, there's a mountain of reasons right. I would hope that they'd, they'd say no, but they said yes, so... No. Um, so the Blues visit the White House tomorrow. They play a one o'clock game today in New York uh, on, on Long Island. Are they playing on Long Island or in Brooklyn now? They're back and forth between those two places. I can't even keep up with them. Got a, they're having a new arena. Anyway, after the game this afternoon, they're going to head south to the nation's capital for a visit to the White House the next day. My understanding is we're going to get there about 1.30, said Blues Chairman and Governor Tom Stillman. We're going to have a tour. We're going to have a little ceremony with the President at 3.30 p.m. I think it's an honor for the team to be invited to the White House, so I'm happy we're going, said Stillman who, by the way, used to be a lawyer in, I believe, the Attorney General's office in the White House, so he's been there many times before. He used to work there. And he's, uh, let's put it this way, he's a favorite of the GOP, and uh, there are some political leanings there. I agree with you. It depends on who owns the team, who the governor of the team is. This guy happens to be a supporter, so <clears throat> did, he, did he railroad the team into going? Did he force the team to all go? Well, I don't know about that. Um, but the NHL teams always have gone. I remember Crosby was there. Ovechkin was there. It's, uh, it seems like the NHL just goes. And other leagues have kind of stood their ground and said, right. nope. So he's happy that they're going. Uh, others aren't. Um, one who is not happy is a friend of yours and uh, acquaintance of mine, Damian Cox. Damo spin on Twitter. He tweeted about, I don't know, about eight or ten tweets 
at the St. Louis Blues saying, like, what the hell's going on? Here's one of them. This uh, president of the United States, this is POTUS, POTUS. This is called POTUS, right? Which I, I POTUS, still can't get POTUS. used to. I still can't get used to saying it. POTUS. <laughs> president of the United States. POTUS. Uh, of. So this POTUS was accused just last week of 43 new allegations of sexual assault misconduct. Don't any of these St. Louis hockey players have mothers, sisters, wives, daughters, nieces? So he tweeted that. And before that, during the Habs Blues game, mm-hmm. he tweeted this. Good to see bad karma already catching up with blues in Montreal tonight. Still time to rethink disgusting White House visit. Do they even understand why they're showing support for a white supremacist, corrupt POTUS? So Damien really, he's really, really upset. And he continues to remind his followers that this is absolutely wrong and that the St. Louis Blues as a team should not go and should realize what they're doing. You know, um, and... Well, I'm with Damo. I mean, I'm not passionate enough to tweet at the St. Louis Blues, but... Well, no, uh, he's not. I, I, I guess he's not. I'm not going to say, no, he didn't tweet at the St. Louis Blues. He is mentioning, though, in his tweets about St. Louis hockey players, and I, I didn't see if... I'm, the, di- I'm personally if disappointed, and I, again, I was disappointed right. when uh, when uh, well, Ovechkin and uh, Crosby and their teams went as you well. You were, eh? Yeah, so you have less respect for Ovechkin and Crosby as human beings. Not as hockey players, <laughs> but as human beings. That what you're I know, saying? I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not... Uh, you're disappointing in them as human beings. Oh yeah, disappointed. But it's, well, it hasn't changed. So your my, expectations. Uh, I'm still a massive fan of uh, Sidney Crosby. So, well, see, just I don't understand. You uh-huh. can't be a massive fan of someone that did something that that's terribly distasteful in your eyes. You, I said I was disappointed. I didn't say uh, terribly distasteful. They have. Oh, chosen- so you're disappointed, but you'll still root for him. I'm absolute in this instance. Because you I'm still look at for Crosby, because you yeah. look at Sidney Crosby in one dimension, don't you? He's a <laughs> hockey player. Am You're I right, a, Mike? No, am I right? He's not a spokesperson for the right. He's not a you know a, you know you don't know. Do you know you Gordon Wright, a big fan of yours, is him, also disappointed. You look at him as a hockey player, and when he does something outside the realm of hockey that's disagreeable, in other words, votes for or su- supports someone that you don't, that should take away from him as a hockey. But player. depends Shouldn't what it is. Mike? In this instance, it didn't. It depends what it is. It depends what it is. So in this case here, are you upset with the members of the St. Louis Blues? Each one of them individually for agreeing to this. I said I'm disappointed. Disappointed. You sound like a parent. I'm not upset. I'm disappointed in you. Right. Like it's their decision. They're adults and they made the decision. I can be disappointed and it doesn't mean I'm going to cut them out and they're not dead to me. I'm not, it's not cancel culture here. This is, uh, this is something they've done as adults and I don't, uh, I wish they hadn't made that decision, but it's their decision to make. Okay. Sidney Crosby's a hockey player. Alex Ovechkin's a hockey player. Okay, 100 years from now, no one's going to go, oh, yeah, that Ovechkin, what a philosopher, what a... No, you're going to look at him as a... He's a one-dimensional, and I hate to say this because we know that they're both not that way, but we can only look at them through the eyes of the lens that, that has uh, illustrated them for years as hockey players. They could walk down the street with a pair of jeans on or whatever, and no one would know who they were, oh. right? A regular guy. But once you're, you know, you're a big name, whether you're an actor or whether you're a hockey player or whatever the case is, you're, you, people would look at you differently. I don't. Sidney Crosby's a hockey player. He drives a Zamboni in commercials. He seems to say all the right things. He seems to be politically correct. Seems to be a nice guy. Seems to be a nice guy, but the fact that he went to the White House, you know... is disappointing. Come, is disappointing. Um, um, There are some that have not been invited by the president, you know, and others who have decided not to attend. And in some cases, individual athletes from those teams have chosen not to attend. Um, Last year, Trump rescinded the invitation to the Golden State Warriors. Remember, he had invited them and Steph Curry and Kevin Durant said, no way are we going to go to that. And he just rescinded the invitation. That's it. Fine. Not coming. Right. Right. Because they weren't going anyway. He didn't want. Right. He knew that. And so he just (laughs) rescinded it. This is a bit different with the Blues. 16 Canadians on the Blues. Three Americans two Russians and two Swedes. I'm looking forward to going. 
said goaltender Jake Allen of Fredericton, New Brunswick. I'm looking forward to going. Whatever your view on politics is, it's your own personal thing. But just the experience of going and seeing the White House, not many people get that chance. It's going to be pretty neat. So if I invited Jake Allen in here today, what would you say to him, Mike? Pretty good goalie. I, I, I would say it's his decision. He's, uh, but you're he's just, made you t- it. But he's going to go. Good for him. I'm personally disappointed that they decided that it was uh, that that tr- I hate to use this word, uh, no pun intended, but that the uh, ex- the White House building and experience trumps the uh, the perception of support for the atrocities that uh, Trump is committing in that in that the, building. The perception of support of the Trump administration. I'm disappointed. Okay, but you're not disappointed. You would go. Yep. Yeah, I would go. I, would I like poli- it when we disagree. Because I would take politics out of it. I would take politics it's, out of it. You can. I'm not with going George for, W. Bush, you I'm can do that. With, Trump. Uh, I'm not going for Trump. I'm not I'm not going for Trump. I'm not going there for Trump. If someone said to me a year ago, you're going to the White House, I'd say, okay, I'm going to the White House. If Trump happened to get assassinated and there was a different president in there, would I feel better about going? I don't know. It's going to be... Trump, do I have to shake his hand? I don't think so. I want to see the White House. I want to go. Okay. okay. I wish they'd invite you along. They're not going to invite you. <laughs> Obviously, you wouldn't go, and you would you would try your darndest to make sure that people didn't go, to wake them up. So the St. Louis Blues, in your mind, and from here on in, are just you know they're they're not worth following or paying much attention to because they went to the White House, I guess, right, Mike? That's pretty much it. No, you you and are uh, really really. Nope. I guess so. This is the Thanksgiving special. You're really trying to stir up something here. I'm not. I can be disappointed. I'm, it doesn't I'm mean I'm rooting you. against I the mean, Blues. I mean, are they going wild in St. Louis, saying, "What the hell are these guys going and supporting Trump?" Are there a lot of Trump supporters in St. Are Blues fans Trump supporters? Part of this is some is this, of the optics. Is this where we're like, going to go now with the fan well, here, base no, of all me, pro teams? Hear me we're going to go to the fan base. Are you are you are you Republicans? Are you Democrats? Are you okay? Is this how we're going to do this? Okay, let's do this instance here. Keep hammering at this. Okay, so part of my problem with Trump is I believe Trump to be racist, and listen, I believe in their listen, racist policies. I'm not interested in your views on Trump. But this on is what this you're show, asking me I'm about. not interested in your views on Trump. I only asked you, would you go? Wouldn't you go? We're, just, we're not going to talk you don't about know Trump. Why? I'm not interested in your views on Trump, nor anyone else's. This is not a show to talk about that. It's a sports show. The question was simple. You, you introduced go? this political discussion. I didn't. I asked you if you would go or not. You said no. You said no. You wouldn't go. Right. You're disappointed. I'm disappointed in Sidney Crosby. Going. You wouldn't be disappointed if he scored five goals in a game. That won you the no, time. that'd be exciting. Right. So that's why I'm saying you can't separate one from the other one. These guys are going as a hockey team. They're hockey players. They're going as hockey players. To go, we're going to the White House. We're going to the White House. Not, we're going to get into a political discussion about the Trump administration and all that kind of a thing. And you don't know, maybe these, maybe some of their parents voted for Trump. Maybe they voted for Trump. Why do you think those uh, warriors, those uh, warriors said that they wouldn't go? Do you know why? This is what you're, 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 you're kind of avoiding the obvious here, which is that we have a, a, a team of white people, right? Completely a white oh, team. Oh, please, don't we even We have start. a fan base Don't even start. Why don't you, uh, why don't you save, this, save this for Toronto, Mike? Not on this podcast. Let's move on. We're talking sports, okay? Well, we I, only tr- asked, I tried to move on long only time ago. Asked, no, you, yeah, right. You, you wouldn't leave it. You reeled me into this one. You reeled me into oh. this one because you're disappointed in Rewind Sidney Crosby and, and, and Ovechkin. You're disappointed in Crosby and Ovechkin. Not because they can't score. You know, I recorded because, this. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Not because they can't score. You're disappointed in them. Correct. Really. I think your expectations are a little bit too high, Mike. I think you're going to have to lower your expectations a lot lower when it comes to athletes sports teams and stuff like that you've learned a fair bit on this show about you know the depths of depravity we can go to in sports going to the white house 
isn't to me necessarily one of those. Let's talk a little hockey here with the Maple Leafs who ended their three-game losing streak Saturday uh, with a 5-2 win over the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, they did it without the help of their big guns. Ilya Mikhaev, the Superman, Superman, S-O-U-P-E-R-M-A-N, Superman, uh, who got his nickname like second game in the NHL. They give him a nickname. Oh, beautiful. I think they should call him the Borscht Man, but that's just me. He scored. Nicholas Shore scored. Alex Kerfoot scored. Jake Muzzin and Trevor Moore also scored. Not scoring? Tavares, Kapanen, Matthews, Nylander, Marner. Not scoring. Tavares and Kapanen managed one assist each. Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and Janssen combined for zero points. And by the way, I keep calling him Andreas Johansson, not Janssen. And Ron McLean the other night did the same thing. <laughs> I'm watching him going, and he said Johansson, and I went, it is Johansson. I went, no, it's Johansson. But you look at it with all the H's and the two S's. Right. And you just can't help but say Johansson. Didn't we have a guy named Johansson? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's bringing a bell. We had a guy named, I think we had a guy named Johansson. <laughs> but anyway, Johansson. So, um, yeah, they didn't score at all, and the Leafs still won. In fact, um, five on five this year, apparently, Tavares and... Uh, uh, and uh, Mitch Marner are like horrible, like terrible, but it's only been six games. six games. And the Leafs still won, thanks in large part to Freddie Anderson, who bounced back with an excellent performance, stopping 25 of 27. Leafs at home to the Minnesota Wild tomorrow night at the Scotiabank Arena. The Wild have started the season 0-4 this year. 0-4. Uh, in tennis, Coco Goff, who we talked about several months ago, 15-year-old teenager from the U.S. Yeah, the U.S. Open we talked about. Her. That's right. She made it to the third round of the U.S. Open. Well, she is already the owner at the age of 15 of a WTA singles title. The American beat 2017 French Open champ Elena Ostapenko, 6-3-1-6-6-2, in the final of the Upper Austria Ladies Tournament on Sunday, making her the youngest winner of a singles trophy on the WTA Tour since 2004. And she managed to do it, listen to this, Mike, after losing in the last round of qualifying, then moving into the main draw as what they call a lucky loser. That's when another player withdraws from the field and she gets into the main draw and wins the tournament. That's the same thing that happened to Bianca Andreescu. Right. Right? She got in. She, uh, she managed to get through qualifying and everything like that and managed to get in through qualifying and went all the way, I believe, to win Indian Wells, if I'm not mistaken. So that's great. But she's 15. Think about this. Bianca Andreescu was uh, 19 years of age and already the owner of a major title. Coco Goff is 15. And prior to Wimbledon, was ranked 313th in the world. And she made it to the third round of the U.S. Open in singles. And now she's a champion. Pretty heady stuff. And, you know, it, it, it harkens me back to the day when, like, Jennifer Capriati was, like, 13, oh, yeah, 13 or 14. And all these great young players. And, you and know, Arantxa Sanchez. Arantxa Sanchez. Uh, before that, Tracy 17. Austin. I think Tracy Austin was, like, 14. Andrea Yeager. But especially with girls. Like, these 13, 14-year-old girls who, for many years, have been you know, playing against women. Right. And so now it's sort of like, uh, but, but even so, 15, man, man, you're winning a tournament at the age of 15. So is the future of tennis, Bianca Andreescu, never mind her at 19, or uh, Naomi Osaka, who's 21, but, but a 15-year-old coming up now. Mm-hmm. And how do you go through your teenage years? How do you, as parents, as coaches, how do you get a young lady, an uh, exceptional tennis player, and from what I can tell, an exceptional young woman, through those teenage years without, you know... I felt Capriati-izing, if that's a word. If that's, you know, that's one way of putting it, I guess. But Although yeah. she had a nice comeback, uh, Capriati. She did. But, I mean, you're going to go through struggles as a normal teenager, one right. who's not a tennis champion, right? Anyway, keep your eye on Coco Goff. I like the name. Mm-hmm. Um, in men's play, 23-year-old Daniel Medvedev beat 22-year-old Sasha Zverev 6-4-6-1 in the final of the Shanghai Rolex Masters. When Medvedev arrived at the City Open in July, he was ranked number 10, 
on the ATP rankings. But he has uh, been on a tear ever since. He's reached the final or lifted the championship trophy at six consecutive tournaments. Can you imagine? Six consecutive tournaments. He's been in the final, and he's won two of them. Wow. That's remarkable. Uh, he won at Cincinnati. He won at Shanghai. Uh, he is now ranked number four in the world. Mike, six consecutive finals. Pretty good for a 23-year-old. Do you think we can start adding his name and maybe Zverev's name to the group of Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, who are getting older, who have all these the championship three. titles? Those are the big three, but... But, you know, in the years to come, who are, the, who are going to replace these three guys as the three best players or four or five, whatever number? Is, is Denny Shapovalov got a chance? Felix Ogiela, who seems only 18. Is the future of tennis these guys? Like Medvedev's 23. I mean, that's, that's the way this guy plays. He could be a superstar for the next decade or longer, like Federer, like, like Nadal, like Djokovic. Yeah, knocking at the door. This is oh, number four you said right now. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's right there. And you're right. Roger can't play forever. This is an unbe- it's unbelievable he's still going strong. Yeah. Right? yeah unbelievable. Amazing. Yeah, it's great. It's, uh, you know, look, the Roger Federer's, Serena Williams, uh, the Tom Brady's of this world, yeah. Aaron Rodgers, uh, what's his name, uh, um, from uh, Drew Brees, 40 years old. It is quite remarkable. It used to be very rare to see someone at that age perform at such a high Without, level. Without, uh, like, the uh, Barry Bonds uh, assistance. Yes, with a Barry Bonds' <laughs> head. It the just cream look, in the clear. Just look at pictures of Barry Bonds' head uh, when he played for Pittsburgh, and look at how much bigger his head is. Right, I know. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty scary. Unbelievable. Uh, uh, back to baseball. The St. Louis Cardinals front office says baseballs have suddenly lost their juice this postseason, supporting a claim from a prominent data scientist that the balls have changed following an historic, homer-friendly regular season. Cardinals manager Mike Schilt said that St. Louis's analytics department has found that the ball is flying four and a half feet fewer on average in the postseason. Players in both leagues have been stunned when hard-hit balls have fallen on the warning track this month, raising more questions about the makeup of the baseballs after hitters clubbed a record 6,776 home runs in the regular season, a rise attributed to unusually far-flying balls, a.k.a. juiced balls. Uh, okay, go ahead, because I have a... I mean, the obvious would be to say the pitching's better. Because you've got the best teams now where, you you know, you, you don't have... I think it's more than that. Projected home runs were down 50% in the first week of games compared to what would have been expected during the, 19, during the 2019 scoring environment, even though the average temperature for playoff games was higher than during the regular season. They say balls fly further when it's hot. So this the cold weathered part of it of keeping... No, has nothing to do with it. Has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, I think so much, I think it's the players that are going, wow, that ball was out of here back in August. That, that's a home run in August. And one in particular, Ronald Acuna Jr., who twice in recent memory hit a ball that he thought was out, even though he's only 21 and he was showboating, he thought was out of the ballpark, right. yet stayed in the ballpark. So and so they kind of measure this. Well, you know what? I mean, when a player does that and... He knows the feeling of a ball that he's hit out, especially if he's hit a number of home runs that year or he hits them in batting practice, of course. You know the feeling. So when you swat one like that and you're thinking that's gone and it ends up at the warning track four and a half feet short. Why would Major League Baseball change the balls up for the postseason? That doesn't make any sense. It's a good question. It's a good question. Anyway, People want the long ball. <laughs> the, data is, the data is conclusive in showing that the playoff baseball is very different from the one used in the regular season, said data analyst Rob Arthur, who wrote in Baseball Prospectus. Major League Baseball replied thusly, and I quote, the baseballs used are manufactured in batches. Balls that are used in the postseason are pulled from the same batches as balls used in the regular season. Regular season and postseason balls are manufactured with the same materials and under the same processes. The only difference is the postseason stamp that is placed on the ball. 
As has been previously acknowledged, however, the drag of the baseball can vary over different time periods. So different time periods. So if that ball has been sitting in the batch for what, all season, and you dig it out the batch, the drag on the ball huh. might be four and a half feet shorter? I don't know. What do you think about this? I need, uh, I need, I, to me, it's still inconclusive. It's a small sample size, first of all. You have the best pitchers going because these are, these are some great pitchers in the postseason, right? You're saying the weather didn't change because I would think it got colder, but obviously no, that's not true. So, um, hmm. interesting. Isn't it? I thought you might like that. Interesting, exactly. but it makes no sense now, there from a, a business yesterday. standpoint for Major League Baseball to suppress homers in the, when most people are watching. Well, that's why what's that's why earlier this year, guys like I think Verlander was one of them. In fact, a couple of really good pitchers were saying that the balls were juiced and it was because Major League Baseball wanted more runs because it appealed to fans. More runs means more fans through the turnstiles. Ch- right. Chicks dig the long ball and all that stuff. Which is true. So... Anyway, so, but, but if you watch last night and there were, I think three home runs last night, there were a couple balls that were hit that even the announcer was like, oh, that ball. And it ended up shy of the warning track or at the warning track. See, see, and that, and if you, I think if you were to take the number of balls hit that are within, let's say four and a half, let's just say four and a half feet of the warning track. I'll bet you there's a lot of them in this postseason. That almost but went I feel out. I've like been a seeing right a good number of long balls, haven't I? Like Aaron Judge hit one. Yeah, really yeah. Well, no, there have been. But again, okay. down fifty percent from okay. what was major league. Where in major league baseball, every game there was like at least three home runs. It seemed right. They set a record number. The record number of home runs. Now I'll say this from a 6, business standpoint: six thousand seven hundred and seventy-six. Yeah. You know how many? Like insane. like seventy guys had career highs in home runs this year. Insane. No, that's mm-hmm. insane. But I will say, like a one nothing pitchers duel duel uh, really appeals to the baseball fan. Right, okay. but if you want to appeal to the masses, uh, you got to get a, like a an, an eight seven slugfest. Yeah, if, I'm telling you, if you want to get the non baseball, but that band. means more pitching changes and a longer game. I know I mean, that they, game last night was four hours and forty nine minutes. There, Yankees used nine pitchers. So is this what you want? You want a guy hitting a ball, home run, and then and then another pitching change. Another guy hits a home run, another well, pitching change. Well, you got to pick your poison. Obviously, there's got to be a balance somewhere. But the uh, I will say though that if if they wanted to get more people excited, I feel they would use those uh, hot balls, the hot balls, juice, the juice, juice balls. balls, hot balls. Which of course the pitchers don't like because the pitcher thinks he's throwing a good pitch, and he says, well, "How did that ball go out?" Because you and I will appreciate the one nothing pitchers duel, but I think if you want to get like I don't know uh, others involved, maybe you get a cousin who's a lukewarm on baseball. If you yeah. you know, you see, I don't care. Uh, I don't care about other people. I like the game the I way noticed it is. That. No, I, I like that. the game the way it is. I'm not interested. It's not up to me to draw new fans. I'm not out there going, come on, you got to give baseball a try. No. No, if you don't like the game, that's fine. I'm oh, not yeah. going to twist your arm and say, oh, you'll love a good pitching duel. I love the game the way it is. And quite frankly, I don't like seeing, I just don't like seeing home run, home run, home run. I'd rather see a double off the wall. I'd rather see a bunt single and maybe the odd stolen base, which I'm not going to see. But to me, every highlight package is now home run, home run, home run, home run, strikeout. Right, it's the yeah, strikeout yeah. for the final out. A lot of strikeouts. Home run. So baseball now has become a home run, a walk, or a strikeout. Did you see Verlander's like second, I think, in postseason strikeouts? Did I see? Oh yeah, that? yeah, yeah. But again, I I'm not sure strikeouts is that. I don't think strikeouts is that big of a deal anymore because everybody's striking out. Like if a pitcher strikes out ten, yeah, it just doesn't seem like back in the day if you could strike out ten because guys did not strike out that much in baseball. They just didn't. They you know the idea was get the bat on the ball. If you look at some of the numbers back in the day. There were guys that struck out way less than they walked. Way less. And nobody ever struck out more than like 180 times a year. Now guys are striking out over 200 because they're going for the fences. Because that's the way baseball has become. It's become swing for the fences. Why would we try to manufacture two or three runs with a bunt, with a base hit, or hit, hit and run, run, and all that stuff? Yeah. Three run homer. 
Just right. get two guys on base and have a guy hit a three-run homer, swing for the fences. Right. So it's become a different game that way, and I'm not sure I, I like baseball the way it is. I don't. I'm just not a big fan of seeing nothing but home runs. Plus, if I was doing highlights every night, the last thing I'd want is all right, Hebsey, here's your highlight package: home run, home run, home run, home. Run. How many different ways can you call a home run? And now here's and now here's uh, uh, here's Bryce Harper at the plate. Guess what's going to happen now? Guess what's going to happen? <laughs> you think they're going to show a Bryce Harper highlight of him hitting a single? No. It's going to be of a home run. So everybody knows it's a home run before wow. they've even shown the highlight. <laughs> could Show be a, the odd double, could be off, a the double off the wall. Could be. Could be. But for the most part, it's going to be a home run because that's the way they put highlights together. Right. They just, you know what? When you're putting a football highlight package together, what? It's, it's every touchdown. <laughs> that's fine because it could be a run. It could be a guy could break eight tackles. But after a while. Oh, interceptions home, too. Or an interception. Yeah, but after yeah, a while, yeah. all home runs start to look the same, don't they? <laughs> they all kind of do. Look the same as all, and I'll touch that. Judge is a strong boy, though. Holy smokes! Yeah, he is. Uh, In golf, Lanto Griffin ranked 176 in the world. You see, you could be ranked 176 (laughs) in the world and still win. It's unbelievable. Uh, Took the Houston Open, finishing at 14 under par. Top Canadian Michael Gligich tied for 28th. Mackenzie Hughes tied for 55th. Graham Dillette back on the PGA Tour after suffering injuries. uh, Tied for 70th. Made the cut on the weekend. Good for him. As far as my golf is concerned, don't ask. (laughs) <laughs> Don't ask. The season may be winding down, but there's still plenty of golf left to be played. I'm going to go out tomorrow morning to Crosswinds. It's going to be about 10 degrees. Should be beautiful. And I suggest if you want to get out and play some great fall golf, check out Crosswinds. Crosswindsgolf.com. Tell them Hebsy sent you. They've still got some wedding dates, I'm told, Mike. Now, not that people aren't getting married at a rapid pace these days, but there are some wedding dates available in 2020 at Crosswinds. So if you're thinking of getting married, you're engaged, and you haven't found a venue... I suggest you check out Crosswinds. Do they treat you better when you tell them that Hebsey sent you? I'm convinced that they do. <laughs> I'm convinced. Step into my office, they say. Hebsey sent you? Come on over here. It's <laughs> got a special deal for you. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's a fabulous venue for a wedding or any special event. Uh, the food is tremendous there. The people treat you like royalty. Uh, check out Crosswinds. They've been a great sponsor for us for many, many years. All right, this story is really bothered me. Okay, but you have a Periscope blister who wants you to know he's uh, going to Crosswinds. Andy. Excellent, Andy. Wonderful. We'll see you out there, buddy. Teeing off at 1048 tomorrow morning. Come on out and say hi. Los Angeles Angels Communications Director Eric Kay defended his decision to cooperate with law enforcement on Sunday, saying it was the right thing to do in the wake of the death of Tyler Skaggs. Skaggs was found dead in a Dallas-area hotel room July 1st with a mixture of fentanyl, oxycodone, and alcohol in his system. He was 27 years of age. Kay admitted to investigators that he both provided the former pitcher with oxycodone and abused it with him for years. Wow. This is the director of communications for the Los Angeles Angels. All right? That's a big position. Yeah, communications, though. Like, he's not a PR. trainer. No, no, no. He's, not P- no, no, he's with, yeah. PR, uh, director of PR or okay. communications director. That's De- significant. De- deals with the media. Right. But still a very significant position. Right. But not a trainer position. But right nothing about. to do with, yeah, his... Not, yeah, but still. On field. But still. Someone that's very close to the players because the players generally go through... You know, um, their request for interviews and stuff like that goes through the public relations department, the communications department. So he said, I felt and continue to feel that this is the time for everyone to stand up and take responsibility for their respective roles in this, said Kay in a statement via ESPN. Kay, who is now on paid leave and being treated for substance abuse himself, told U.S. Drug Enforcement Administrative Agents last month about the history of oxycodone use with Tyler Skaggs. He admitted to providing Skaggs with three oxycodone pills before their trip to Texas earlier this year and said that Skaggs, quote, snorted three lines of crushed opioids in front of him in his hotel room on the day of his death. He does not, though, believe the pills he provided Skaggs before the trip were the ones he used that day. Kay told investigators that two team officials 
knew about Skaggs' drug use long before his death, something the Angels denied in a statement on Sunday afternoon. Because if you admit to knowing and not reporting it to Major League Baseball, you are culpable. You're just as guilty. Uh, Kay also provided the names of five other Angels players he alleges were using opiates. His boss, the Vice President of Communications, Tim Mead, left the Angels in June to become President of Baseball's Hall of Fame and Museum. He told ESPN's Outside the Lines, no one mentioned Skaggs' name in conversation or that Skaggs was an opioid user at any other time. So everyone here is just saying, ah, I never heard, I, I don't know what he's talking about. Deny, deny, deny. This is serious shit, man. And, and Skaggs' family needs to know. They want closure. What the hell happened? What was going on here? Well, according to this, this uh, uh, fella Kay, he, uh, he, he uh, facilitated. He, uh, he didn't encourage him, but he, he did, took drugs with him. Right. And he also said that whenever he got pills for him, that Skaggs would take the pills immediately. He would ingest them immediately. He'd snort them or he'd swallow them or whatever. So he was an opioid addict. This goes to show you that even star pitchers are not immune to this opioid uh, epidemic. Not at all. uh, And there are five other angels, which he said he named, that he believed five other angels. Now, I don't think someone like this would just go on and name somebody unless he had, you know, firsthand knowledge of the fact that that person was taking opioids and whether that person was addicted to opioids because they're not illegal, right? And certainly in baseball, and I don't know how the drug testing works, but I'm not sure they're drug testing for uh, opioids necessarily. I mean, certainly in, a, in an autopsy, they would have found that in his system. I don't know, but they, but they found the fentanyl a, in there, that, and that's the danger, right? right? That's a danger, uh, yeah. But that's a, per, see, again, performance-enhancing drugs, I don't know how the drug tests work. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not positive of that. But anyway, still. So the fact that the PR director, the director of communications of a Major League Baseball team becomes a drug mule for a star pitcher who dies of an overdose at the age of 27, that's, that's to me, that sends shockwaves. Because he can't be the only guy. He can't, and even on the Angels, he can't be the only one. Who, what other um, athletes? I'm sure there are, are many athletes addicted to opioids. I'm sure. Especially since uh, injuries happen in sports and you are, you know, prescribed, uh, I don't know, Oxycontin, whatever, uh, Percocets, whatever. But opioid based, uh, these painkillers. Right. And then, as you know, for certain people, it's highly addictive. But don't you find it interesting that, especially in California, where marijuana is legal, not medical marijuana, recreational marijuana. And so right. many people are using marijuana uh, as, you know, for pain management. But I, I hate to say it, but would it not have been better if he oh, was... Of course, no, if way was better. Doing, if he was doing pot for the pain management. Way better. Or he was addicted to pot versus opioids. Anyway, it's sad. Because it's the fentanyl, sad. and then you're right. And all of us know somebody or somebody's somebody's loved one yeah. who has died from the accidental fentanyl overdose. Oh, terrible, terrible. But to find out that the director of communications was, you know, part, a party to it and an addict himself and, and, and um, procured the drugs for the pitcher, you know, and he had a responsibility. Yeah. Did he not to the team? Well, it's a bit addictive. But he was an addict himself. But he was an addict himself. Right. So, so Tyler Skaggs would buy the drugs for both of them. I'll buy the stuff and I'll, you and I will do it together. They did it together. He would buy it. So if someone said, if you were an addict and someone says, if you were a gambling addict and someone said, come on, I'll supply the money. You can do the gambling. Right? Of course. You're you're addicted. Of course you're going to. 
Terrible. It, I think it, 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 the rich people, poor people, middle class, yeah. everyone uh, is susceptible to the opiate uh, addiction. Yeah, it's a crisis. Terrible. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crisis. It's a, it's a crisis. And if it's a crisis in America or other parts of the world, if it's a crisis among young people especially, or, then it's got to be a crisis within Major League Baseball now, That and we don't know about it. Uh, One of our heavier episodes of Hebsey on Sports. Uh, political, uh, here we are talking addiction. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> hey, man. Better that than discuss, you know, I don't know, the fourth lines plus minus. And I don't know. Anyway, um, here's another great story. Like the sub four minute mile running a marathon in less than two hours had seemed impossible until Saturday. But this time there's an asterisk. Olympic champion Iliud Kipchoge performed this feat under conditions so tightly controlled as to maximize his, his success that it will not appear in the record books. It will not go in the record books as an official time. I don't for have this update. The marathon, okay? I'm fascinated to hear why. The 34-year-old Kenyan completed the 42.195 kilometers. That's 26 miles, 26.2 miles. That's the marathon distance in one hour, 59 minutes, 40.2 seconds. The event was the Ineos 159 Challenge in Vienna, which is an event set up specifically for the attempt at a world record. What are you saying, Hepsi? I need to know what they could do. So here's the thing. Ahead of the event, Kipchoge even compared this feat to being like the first man on the moon. And afterwards, he drew comparisons to Roger Bannister, the late Brit, who 65 years ago became the first athlete to run a mile in under four minutes when they said it could not be done. But with all variables tailored to his advantage, it was still the full marathon distance, but it was no regular marathon race, which means the jaw-dropping finishing time will not be ratified by the IAAF, the International Association of Athletics Federation. They will not ratify this time. The staged event, Mike, and I mean staged event, saw organizers set a nine-day window to be flexible and stage the run in the best possible weather conditions. So it was not scheduled for the Saturday necessarily. Interesting. It was scheduled for the best day out of an eight-day window that would have provided the least amount of wind, <clears throat> the nicest proper temperature, not too cold, not too hot, etc. Uh, also, Kipchoge was supported throughout his run by 36 pacemakers, Actual people, not something you put in your arm. 36 <laughs> pacemakers who accompanied him in alternating groups. They were all world-class athletes. Five athletes running ahead of him in V-shape and two others following closely. So think of the flying V in the Mighty Ducks movie. Yes. Inverted for maximum drag and wind efficiency. And what do they call it? Um when you uh, get in behind somebody. Yeah, the drift or whatever. Uh, it, that's, uh, uh, no, what's that called? When, you, uh, you, when you, 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 you lock in behind someone. Drafting. Right. Proper drafting. That's the word I'm looking for. I think that's, you know, that's the... Yeah. <laughs> drift, draft. Drift, draft, the whole thing like that. Drag, the whole thing. Drift, draft, and drag. So, so they're basically saying, let's... The cyclists let do this too. Optimum conditions. Optimum conditions. But wait a second. Hang on. I'm not done yet. The race course itself was a six-mile stretch along the Danube River, which was as flat as a pancake guaranteeing optimum results. Unlike a normal race, a timing card just in front of the pack also helped keep the scheduled pace. Remember, a scheduled pace. If you're going to break two minutes and it's called the 159 challenge, if it's a scheduled pace, you've got to run to this pace. Now, normally in a race, you don't get that. You've got your own little timing mechanism and that's it. Right. All right. Um, listen to this, Mike. The timing car was equipped with a laser beam projecting the ideal position on the road parts of which also had painted stripes to indicate the optimum running line. You're going to run 26.2. I don't want you running 26.3, going too far outside. I want you to take the optimum line so that you're running the exact distance and not one half a meter further. Right. Okay? 
And is that illegal, may I ask? A bit of ignorance yes. here, but if this was a real yes. normal... Yeah, of okay. okay. Furthermore, Kipchoge received drinks handed over by a cyclist to prevent him from having to slow down at any time during the race. During a normal marathon, folks, you, uh, you run past somebody, you might slow your gait down a little bit to grab some water yeah. and then go. Instead, there is a specially made shake. And is that illegal? Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Well, not illegal. Like in a regular marathon. Yeah, yeah you can't. Yeah, like an right. Olympic marathon. Yeah, you know, water, you got to know. Nobody can ride by on a bike and give you water. Okay. That's right. Just check it in. Yeah, but the other thing was, is that he had a special sports drink, you know, a special one with the proper electrolytes and everything like that and nutrients and blah, 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 that that's what was handed to him by the cyclists. Now, when you're running in a regular marathon, like in the Olympics, you don't run to your table and go, yeah, give me my special blend. You get water. Right. It's not the Tour de France here. That's right. You get water, okay? <laughs> you get water. You don't get your special, yeah, where's his whatever. It's not like going into pit row if you're in the, an auto right. race and get your, your mechanics give you what. So- yeah, wow. so this was completely, completely staged. Now, wow. again, he did, run, he did run the marathon distance in less than two hours. Yes, he did. And all of Kenya came out, brought traffic to a standstill in Nairobi, the capital, as they gathered to watch the end of the run on a large screen. People pumped their fists. They clapped their fell to their knees as Kipchoge cruised to the finish line. So, Mike, yeah, what do you think? It, should, this, should this time be ratified should this time be included in all the times of the olympics the world championships 26.2 miles uphills downhills side hills in whatever conditions happen to be no chance no way no you, way. you know what it's so many things there but even the whole idea of like we don't have a scheduled start time we're during this seven yeah. days we're going to wait for the yeah. ideal climate and conditions and wind right. and everything some of that doesn't bother me the whole it's a really flat surface doesn't well, the route, really bother any, me look at the boston marathon there's a thing called heartbreak hill Right. Heartbreak Hill. You're not going to break But it's two, not mandatory. You're, you're like not if it was break, all flat, that's okay. There's a lot of, but everything well, else. Well, where is, do you, but seriously, where do you find 26 <laughs> straight miles of flat? You don't. <laughs> that's why they, that's why the circuit was a six mile circuit. No, I, right. You the can't. Service, you, 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 so you're running the circuit four times in a little bit, completely flat. Although I will say little psychologically. Little painted lines, little painted lines saying run here, run here. No competition yeah. to worry about. Right. Like nobody in your way that could, you know, you could spike them by accident or fall over them or whatever, have to go around them. None of that. You got the flying V in front of you. Right. No, You're there's drafted. a million reasons why this shouldn't yeah, be ratified. Isn't it? By the way, in Andy fact, on so, uh, I'm, I'm Periscope, so, yeah. sorry. I was going to say, he wants to know the laser beams where they attached to a shark's head. He <laughs> Thank you, Andy. But that's pretty wild, huh? It's like, we're going to make it, we're going to, it's almost going to be impossible for you not to run it in under two hours, the mm -hmm. way we have this set up. These are optimum, optimum conditions. It's like a practice, like a training run. This should, it's like a, this is, yeah, it, it's a training run to prove you can do it, but absolutely yeah. shouldn't count as a, be ratified right. as a And at record. the same time in the Chicago Marathon yesterday, and I can't remember the woman's name and I apologize, the Kenyan woman set out a, a, a world record for females um, just over two minutes and I, I don't know the exact time. But that was run over an actual marathon course, the right. Chicago Marathon. And it was that's a scheduled day. Schedule, that's the day time. it was scheduled on, right, in downtown Chicago yesterday morning. So, come on. So, that, it was yeah. staged. It, it was staged. Yeah. No, so, I, uh, I didn't know this update. And hearing you tell it, I was like, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. Uh, yeah. No, I'm with you, but okay. here we agree. At the end of this episode on Thanksgiving, you want to talk we about came Trump? together. Do you want to talk about Trump now? Did you want to get your point across about the Trump thing you wouldn't No, go? I want you to review the tape, though, and realize you kept that convo going. Fine. I wanted to bail because, early in it. Because, quite <laughs> frankly, politics and sports should not mix. Because if you get invited But this is how they will mix sometimes. If you, if you listen, you, get, live in the world. you get invited somewhere, you know, someone says you're invited. You say, boy, I'd really like to go. That sounds like a great place to go, but I can't go in solidarity with my teammates or whatever it is. I get it. But if all your teammates are going, yeah, let's go, man. Okay, Hepsi, but in my lifetime, 
this is the only president where I would be disappointed if the team went to the White House. Really? And not, not, it, Nick, not Nixon, it, eh? No, well, uh, I'm doing the math. If he was in my lifetime, it's really close, actually. Uh, no, no. If Nixon was president, <laughs> you got invited to the you got invited to the White House. Would you go? It would. It's that's a different conversation. No, no, it's uh, not. It's see, that's like just get, it. oh, it's not a different time conversation. Here, it's not a different conversation. If Nixon were president and people, he was he was universally disliked. He he cheated. It's not about dislike. He cheated. You he keep lied. saying that. It's not about the fact he's a Republican, and it's not about the so fact he's disliked. There's varying degrees of dislike, and in this particular case, he's so disliked. There's varying degrees of uh, atrocities, and uh, what about felonious? What about uh, felonies? Like, are you going to make a distinction between fel? Uh, of course, worse you, that, felonies. The world's not black and white. Felonies that are worth of worse course, than other ones. Of course. All I'm saying to you is, is that I think freedom of choice is a very important choice. Right, which is why they're have. allowed to go to the White House. And I also think that <laughs> if someone has a particular and you disagree with them, then you should at least allow them to, you know, you grudgingly, in your case, allow them to do what they're going to do and don't look at them in a certain way and don't maybe don't expect so much from human beings, individuals. Uh, that they don't think the same yeah, way that's that you sad. do. That's uh, sad. That's sad that you you think I need to lower my bar of human expectations. Well, not human expectations. Expectations of sports, uh, of uh, of athletes that maybe their life dream was to and again, uh, win I'm a not championship saying, and go to the White House. I'm not saying yeah. they shouldn't be allowed to go to the White House. I said I'm disappointed they want to go to the White House. Okay. Uh, geez, I wish we had more time. <laughs> Thanksgiving edition should be twice as long. That's it for episode number 142 of Hebsey on Sports, the Jackie Robinson edition. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. Thanks to our wonderful sponsor, Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. Go to crosswindsgolf.com. And if you're looking for a great book to read, may I suggest... You hold that up for the viewing audience? The greatest athlete you'd ever heard of. It's the story of a Forrest Gump-like character, George Orton, who was told he'd never walk again after a terrible childhood injury and persevered to become the greatest distance runner of his generation and a man who introduced ice hockey to a great many Americans. Get it wherever fine books are sold or borrow it from the library. There was no... He didn't get laser beams when he ran. You know, people weren't like riding by on bicycles, giving him water. His special concoction. Uh, All that stuff, man. He ran and he ran very well and he was Canadian. But he ended up in history's dustbin. Anyway, thanks for allowing us into your headspace. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Back with another episode shortly. Until then, so long for now.